what else? <clears throat> Army of the Dead, and then what was the other thing? Spiral. Jesus Christ, Spiral. Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, is Spiral based on a book? It's based on the book of Saw. What's the book otherwise? Of Saw? I, otherwise, I doubt it's based on anything. It's called okay, Spiral it from the Book what... of Saw. But what is the book of Saw? We don't know, do we? I think that just means it's Saw without Tobin Bell. Nice. Can you hum the Saw theme without it devolving into Live and Let Die? I just try to do it in my head. I don't think it's possible. <laughs> and she went straight to the dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The answer is no, it's, it's not possible. It's absolutely not possible. Uh, How I've did been, you learn that? <laughs> I've been alternating between the two all week. It's such a funny, like, it's such a funny song. Anyway, um... Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of Prattle Royale, where myself and Victoria will be talking about the Saw legacy, building up to our first cinema visit of the year. Together. Spiral together, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. no. Oh, you cheated on me. Um, oh, sorry. Sp- <laughs> Spiral, the book of Saw. Spiral from the book of Spot. Oh my God. Spiral from the book of Saw. And uh, and then we'll build up to Army of the Dead, the new Zack Snyder film that's just dropped on Netflix. Um, so let's start with Vicky. Where does where does Saw sit in your heart? Why do you, why do you watch Saw? Why do you like them? Why do I watch Saw? Well, as a young thirteen year old girl, it's something I used to watch at sleepovers. You know, because everyone loves a good scary movie at a girly sleepover, right? I don't know. Sure. If you, you would know that. I mean, it'd be pretty uh, scary if there was an old thirteen year old girl there. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's just, I think in general, the I used to think they were really smart as a kid. Sure. I, used, I yeah. used to feel smarter for watching them. Uh, smart horror is great. Um, the body gore gives a good shock value when you're just mm-hmm. in the mood for something disgusting to watch on screen. I think Saw pretty much hits the spot. But in saying that, not the first one, but maybe two and three. I think that's where it really developed. Okay. That's why I would watch Saw. Body horror, but done okay. tastefully. Done tastefully. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I would say body horror done expertly. Because by some bloody miracle, the thing that carries over throughout the entire franchise, including this latest one, is that it's all pretty practical. Like it's yeah. how, you'll, you'll get the occasional little like exaggeration with like computer generated effects, but up like by and large for this for a genre, for a franchise that's about sixteen years old, it's it's stuck to like really high quality gore effects and like it that's such an important thing to like keep mm. you involved in the story and keep you cringing in your seat and i'm really shocked that they've they've stuck to it something they didn't stick to which is such a shame is they had such a perfect run with those first seven films they had saw and then two three four five six 
and then they bloody had to go and ruin it with 3D, the final chapter, which is so enervating. <laughs> from such like imagine like owning the collection, having just that big old 3D sticking out when it's not even the bloody third one. I'm um, sorry, my lovely. Wait, right. what is that? It's just having not having not. I don't own the Saw collection, but it doesn't actually just say Saw 3D, the final I, chapter. I don't. I don't own it either. I don't. I don't think many people would. But I just. I'm gonna. In my head, I'm gonna assume it's just like a lovely DVD collection, all the spines, then just like a, a big old ugly 3D there. Um, oh, do you want to go through? What is Saw about? What's what's this? What's the draw for general audiences? If you want to kind of. Okay. Synopsize the franchise. Synopsize the franchise. Okay, so we have the lovely. We start off with Saw 1. You know, you've got two guys in a room. Don't know how they got there. And then a bunch of clues. It's fun. It's like a bunch of clues. It's like a murder mystery, apart from you don't know what the murders are and you don't know why the the mystery part. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you get around to the fact that, you know, Tobin Bell is a genius, I think, in the first few films. Uh, so the first one, you've got the lovely doctor, you've got the shoddy photographer, and you've got the basically the manipulation of everyone around Tobin Bell's character. Yeah, blackmail. Yeah. Yeah. So you start off, you know, thinking it's one thing. He turns into another, and he becomes the mastermind known as Jigsaw, which carries on to the second film, and the third. And that's where I have up to. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. You you do you remember bits and pieces from like the rest of them, or is it kind of like one, two, three, and then jigsaw? And then one, two, three, jigsaw. Okay. And then that's, that's, spiral. That's such a shame because uh, it's there's, there's definitely a significant drop in quality after three. Oh, like, so I got the good ones. I, I've picked out the good of the bunch. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. but like saying that like there's the drop in quality but it's not a massive drop because none of these films are like masterpieces but no they're not but the first one is like it was probably the first film i saw at that age at younger age i was like Mm. oh my god like that was a good twist for me i don't think anything really since has amounted to me or like how do i say it like basically that just developed me and my love of horror when he got up off that floor I think in the first. It film. developed your love of horror. Yeah. Oh my god, that's a pretty big statement. You bloody love horror. I know, I know. I... I do. So I think, uh, I think, just in general, like Saw as a younger kid, like has done that for me. What about you? How? What's Saw mean to you, Lorcan O'Neill? Um, I remember being a lad of 14, 14, 13, 14. Mm. and when I remember when Saw came out, and there was just like the odd TV trailer, and it was just lots of manacled feet and hands and lots of screaming and it was like there was just so much excitement around this film when it came out it was just kind of like it was the film everyone wanted to see but they wouldn't admit it but then you'd pass the cinema on like a friday night and there was just a queue around the block it was it was a Mm. really big deal and then people say it started the torture porn phenomenon i think hostel came Um, out the year after that and there's so yeah no i used to as a kid um link saw and hostel together as Mm. like as as those those like definitely came out within yeah like you said within the same year only yeah. Saw was the lesser version of the two you know Hostel is for like the real freaks yeah <laughs> like to get into yeah but it's weird that that was a genre formed together yeah it's I mean I don't know I mean I don't know what caused it but um it was it was it was it was just like an exciting thing and obviously 
Mm. I, I wasn't allowed to go see it at the time, so I like got the VHS as soon as I could. Uh, and it's, I think, I think the fact that because the gimmick was that for the first seven, the gimmick was every Halloween to be a new Saw film, and it was. Mm. I think, I think by the sixth one, the tagline for the film was just "It's Halloween. Here's another Saw movie." Um, so I think that kind of quick turnaround, in a way, may have had like a really good effect on the production because they never really had a, a spare moment to like reflect or like make the film kind of make the franchise self-aware or self-reflexive it was just constantly trying to drive forward this big huge plot with all these characters so that every film could have a twist it was like we don't care what the story is as long as there's a twist and there's lots of gore um i think with if it works all the first time just do what just repeat i guess that's that's the thing the old style of doing any hong kong film like from the 90s just keep on repeating until it runs real dry it definitely, it definitely has that kind of vibe because then you get yeah. the jigsaw, and jigsaw is like immediately it, it feels very self reflective and being like, what do people want to see from a saw film? We'll do this and this and this and this, and they they miss the mark in various places, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of interesting. But no, there's definitely a drop off after Saw Three because I think that's when Leigh Whannell and James Wan kind of stepped back and went on to do. <laughs> much more successful things actually maybe not maybe not more successful projects but they themselves became more successful as kind of figureheads no james um, one in general just became the title name for like you know yeah. the conjuring <laughs> yeah <laughs> was it, it produced produced by yeah yeah produced by james one in almost every conjuring film and annabelle yeah. and he just became the household for like that in general and he, he does a really good job of keeping his kind of uh, finger in the pie with all of his mm. projects, all of the franchises he kind of spins off. Absolutely. But, um, the, um, with, with 4, 5, 6, and 7, we're introduced to Costas Mandalore, or I call him the Mandalorian. I'm sure I'm the first person to make that joke. Um, and he's like, he's such a perfectly cast kind of replacement for... Tobin Bell, because spoilers, Tobin Bell gets knocked off at the end of three, um, which is at the time it was like a big like, oh my god, they killed Jigsaw in the third film. What are they gonna do? Uh, turns mm-hmm. out Jigsaw just had plans for the next seventeen years, and he's ahead of time rigged up five thousand scenarios with all of these. Every single person Jigsaw met in his life was just some horrible scumbag who he had a close close personal connection to. Um, he just created his protege, and you know, ran. <laughs> And then, an, and then another one, and then another one, and then another one, none of which mm. knew anything about the others. <laughs> just all running concurrent games while he was recording little video phone. If you want to catch Jigsaw, just find out who's buying 5,000 little dictaphones <laughs> in the year 2009, because there'll be a small list, I guarantee you. Oh my god. You found what's your, it. What's mm-hmm. your favorite game? My favorite game? Yeah. Or what's oh. your favorite like game or scenario? Like trap, traps. It's games. And I'm traps. trying to think. Um, you know, whenever I like originally think of Saw, I instantly go to you know Amanda in the in the head cage. And the oh, you can't say exploded. the first one. No, 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 no. I'm not going to okay. say the first. One. I just that that's like that's the one that I was like, if you think of Saw, I think of her being trapped and the thought of it getting ripped, her mouth getting ripped open, right? Yeah. If you go into like um, the second one. That's when it gets like real interesting. I think it's uh, what she called Addison's death. 
she has her hands in the glass and they're like they're like the handcuffs in the glass box and she has to get the um the cure oh sure yeah the glass box trap that's fucking awful i know there's like as as the films go on they get worse and worse get more gory um i really liked like because she's just this the cute hottie of the film you know she's gonna die but her like in that severe pain and just oh i think i think it's a beautiful scene i'm sorry okay no that's i mean that's like i didn't remember that because that's quite a like it's it's a very last minute thing like all the plot's kind of ramping up the the theme music's kind of ramping up and then she just kind of stumbles across this thing she like throws away the recording and just like shoves her hands up it yeah, she um, just goes straight in there. I love that. Yeah. And there's also the one, I think, the opening of Jigsaw as well, where they all have the metal heads on mm. and they're getting drawn into the wall. That's a bit of fun. So you've got Amanda, I've got Addison, and I've got the beginning of Jigsaw. But what are your favourite ones? Oh, I like the um, the body trap at the end of the third one, where his body's being very slowly kind of twisted around. Mm. I think that's the... Oh, no, is that that is that is the end of the is third that, one. Is that the end? Yeah, I think so. Or it's like you, you have to stick your hand in a box with a shotgun to stop the guy that killed the main guy's son from who from like being twist having every part of his body twist around. That that's the one so, they seem to reference a lot throughout the franchise as well. That used to be really clever and smart to me, but I mm. actually uh, one of my favorite novels is Uzumaki by John G. Utu, and it's called okay. The Curse of the Spiral. And in that book, it's literally people. twisting themselves on purpose to become a spiral and since i read that and it's like ingrained in my brain i just i feel like it's it's a bit of a copy of that but we won't go into it but the same it's no longer it's inventive to me okay (laughs) so i'm very sorry (laughs) i mean i can guarantee you that saw three is a better film than the film that's based on uzumaki which i have seen and it is awful yeah, don't, I don't see... ever want to see that. Don't tell oh, me no. to watch that. Don't no, ever don't. recommend that to me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very much not recommending it to you right now. Thank you very um, much. <laughs> there's like, it's like while I was watching, because I, I managed to like, I found it very entertaining going through them all, especially because it is one big long story that I just kind of sat down and thought of. Um, I found it very entertaining. And like every, every other trap, I'd be like, oh no, I think this is my favorite. This is really fun and cool. Um, I don't. I think the ones I like the least are whenever, whenever it just completely breaks the jigsaw rule, where it's just like perfectly innocent people in a trap, and the bat and the bad person has to like choose which one to save or get them to fight each other. And it's like, well, that's mm. that's not what jigsaw would do anyway. I say, but at the same time, um, in the first film, when he shoots the cop that causes Donald Glover to go crazy. Mm. Jigsaw broke the rule for me. The rules there, like so. I don't think he's actually as a saint or as clever or as a saint as he thinks he is anymore. No. That 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 ruined the whole image, and that was the well, first film. Well, that's kind of the fun thing as well, is where it's like obviously Jigsaw's a maniac. He's a genius, but he's an absolute maniac, and he's a horrible hypocrite. And you can only really escape his traps if you know exactly what he's thinking at the time when he makes up the trap. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that carries over quite nicely from uh, across the franchise is the idea that, like, if you... He picks on people who are kind of, like, usually some kind of psychological damage or just, like, a social reprobate. And if they if they pass the test, then they kind of join this exclusive 
club of being kind of a protege of Jigsaw. Yeah, his protege, his underlings, they all become like a part of a really cool group and they yeah. just idolize him, which is like the Stockholm syndrome of like, I basically well, cause you this much cult. pain. Yeah. It's how oh, a yeah, cult works. You, you, you find like Charles Manson, you find the people mm-hmm. who are unhinged, who are willing to believe in you. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just so happens that Jigsaw finds these people on purpose because they're the people he wants to rehabilitate. So it all makes perfect sense. Yeah. And it's just like, it's not like, it's not the most incle- intelligent thing ever, but for a lot of people watching it, it's got like that kind of surface level, like, this is fine. Like, a lot of people probably watch it and being like, I don't want to think about this too much because it'll ruin it. But yeah. I can think about it just enough. And it goes, the pace of all the films is so breakneck that you never really have to think about it too much. And that's fine. So... After our recap of Saw, and you having a great... I can't believe you made all of them in a week. Or it's even a roller coaster. Oh, if I had the so video game, I would have you. played it again, yeah. <laughs> also developed by James Wan. Oh, <laughs> which is yeah. mad. Yeah, but um, how does Spiral from the Book of Saw compare? Or even how is Spiral... How is Spiral? Because we had a great time watching it. Sure. I think we had a great time watching it. That, that was my first impression. Have you had time to like think about it afterwards? Um, I mean, the the bottle of the tiny bottle of rosé certainly helped because they didn't have any beer at the cinema. Um, but why? Why? Let me ask you this: Why do you think everyone in a saw film looks like a porn star, like a kind of kind of greasy, slightly over the hill, pretty? It's like consistent throughout like a lot of the films. Oh my god. No, but that's the thing. Um, definitely so you know Kerry, she's a detective like throughout the Saw films. Yeah. I definitely get that look. She's played I think by Dina Maya. I Dizzy get that from look. Starship Troopers. Yeah. Dizzy. Exactly. Dizzy from Starship. I she basically portrays that whole vibe and maybe yeah. it's just seeped in through to the films from that. Because I mean, yeah, because like uh Chris Rock is the main character in Spiral and his mm. his police chief is just this Rather bosomous, thirty-eight, oh. twenty-two, thirty-eight kind of kind of lass, and I'm like, okay. You careful how you talk about Mrs. Ledge from the Riverdale series. Oh, I have no idea. She's in Riverdale on Netflix. Because okay. no one in Riverdale great. looks like a porn star either. I'm sure they are, they all look like porn stars. I'm sorry, yeah, <laughs> that's blasphemous. It's a kids' TV show. Um, anyway, but yeah, no, you do have a very solid point. <laughs> Apart from like. But I don't think, like, Chris Rock, in general, like, throughout the whole film, the way he walked, yeah. his constant, like, squint. Did yeah, you see he, that? He, like, like a, his, yeah. like, eyes are half closed. Slack-jawed I, squinting, yeah. Slack-jawed squinting. I don't... I didn't get it, but it was it was entertaining to watch. Yeah. So I think, like, when we first watched the trailer, we were like, what the fuck have they done? Like, let a good thing die. I mean, it was mm. already done to death anyway. Just, yeah. like, pack it away. It's done. But then, within the first ten minutes, we had the uh, divorcee monologue that he portrayed in the subway. I love you know? that. Yeah. And we were we we started just absolutely cracking up, and I yeah. think it was just a good, beautiful moment. Yeah. And then you know Sam Jackson appears, took us took me by surprise. Didn't think that was gonna happen. I was like, I don't think this can be done well. But mm. then, you know, you get a few motherfuckers out there and suddenly I'm on board. And the bee is, yeah, you're right, the bee has definitely helped. Absolutely. Uh, the gore in this film in general, I was, like, physically mm. leaning in to watch how clever they were doing it. Yeah. Um, the people, the first people that died, that aren't likeable. It's not like, they're just not likeable people. I didn't, I didn't like the detectives at all that were dying. I was actually interested in how they were portraying their deaths. Yeah. And then, you know, then you get to, you know, 
the the are we spoiling like the deceiving point? Uh, let's let's thought, go spoilers, yeah. Let's go spoilers. You get this deceiving point where you think uh, Max M- Minghella's character. How do you say his last name? Well, Max, Max Minghella, I think it is. Minghella Minghella's character, uh, who plays the detective William Schneck. Um, and he basically gets skinned alive, and then I was mm. like, too far, and too sudden, and then I and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe it's all come to light now. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that at that part, I was like, right, the plot is like becoming increasingly obvious. Maybe not in my drunken state, but looking back on it, I think I knew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope I hope I knew. I give myself the benefit of the doubt because I came out and I was like, I was so shocked. Yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's. I think I think this one definitely feels the loss of Tobin Bell. Obviously, I suppose I'm aware Tobin Bell's still alive, but it's like this is not Tobin Bell's jigsaw. This is not like no. this is not. This is just a comedic take on the on the Soul series. As it's a whole. it's it's a comedic. It's a sort of comedic attempt to re revamp the franchise in a new direction. Mm. But it's like you you kind of already did that with Jigsaw. And the whole point of that film was the significance of that character. And now four years later, you're doing it again, but you're drastically reducing the significance of Tobin Bell's character. It's it's so strange not to have him in it because he is he mm. is the franchise. So I'm not sure if they handled the transfer to the new villain. It, it wasn't seamless. And I don't even know if Tobin Bell may have even had a say in what was happening with this film. But I was just wondering why Max Mingal is would sign on for a post because the the way this film ended in general is yeah. that there was going to be at least like you could tell like maybe another th- two more films sure yeah like, they set it up for a sequel and he's like quite a prime actor so i wonder how they got him to do this in general and be like you're going to be the new destructive mastermind between this like fun horror series because this, this is nothing like i've seen from him before like at all i mean i'm not gonna lie i've seen him in the social network which is 11 years ago and i don't think mm. i've seen him in anything since so i'm not sure if he was going to be the hardest get oh be... he, he's been on the hand he's been showing the hands made tale since oh, like okay. 2017 that's where he's been oh, okay but, uh... oh, good for him yeah <laughs> but this <laughs> no. this is i mean this is a i mean saw is kind of, saw is a film franchise is kind of a joke but they make money like i don't think it's hard to get people to sign up to these films like tobin bell i'm sure is living it up just in the royalties from like mm-hmm. royalties times eight like but yeah, like like you said, I liked I liked Chris Rock and just kind of like this belligerent kind of S. Craig Zoller kind of. And the fact that he comes across as like the good guy with a good conscience, I don't think I've seen <laughs> yeah. like 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 a really good conscience. Like he's constantly in the right in this film, and I'm like, they're gonna yeah. say something. He's gonna have done something really shit, and that's the reason why all this shit is happening to him. But no, he is literally just a good guy, and I really liked him. I was on his side throughout the whole thing. He's not, Which I the... don't know if I've said about Chris Rock before. <laughs> oh yeah, you kind of go back and forth on them, don't you? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I think the, Chris um, Rock. <laughs> the, this one, this one feels. I guess, I guess all the soft films kind of feel like this, but like a kind of like one of those like sleazy Italian murder mysteries where every character is kind of sleazy, but you end up rooting for the one that's kind of least sleazy, and that's Chris mm. Rock here. He's got genuine motivations, and he's in he's in a plot that is predictable from about forty five minutes and onwards. Um, but yeah, the, the gore is there. The performances are fun. Sam Jackson's fun. He's just kind of living it up. I, I don't really know what, what more what more to say about it. No, I think that's about it. I think we had a good time. 
Yeah. It was a great, like, welcome back to the cinema experience. Oh, yeah. I had, you know, like, my large Coke, a solid popcorn, and I felt quite at home. I Someone coughing it. incessantly, two rows in front of us. Oh. Please yeah, don't go to the cinema about... yet. If you have just even a mildest cough, just do not go to the cinema, please. Sit it out, please. If you've pre-booked the tickets, they can get, like, re-swapped, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, I had a great time watching this. I thought it was just what we needed. <laughs> yeah, 90 so, yeah. minutes of bliss. Absolutely. Oh, 90 minutes. <laughs> I love a good short run time. Love that can it. always lead us into our next topic to talk about. So recently it's currently i think number one on the netflix chart this week but um released on the 21st of may we have army of the dead by Zack snyder so lorcan you suggested this hmm. how did you have a good time well you kind of just reminded me that it was on netflix did you have a good time with it i i did because i was like i think Zack snyder is i would say a rather pretentious filmmaker he makes a lot of odd choices he kind of has this blasé attitude while he's doing these kind of big, grandiose things. Um, but I was kind of like, I saw the reviews. The reviews aren't good. It's been kind of uh, torn apart a little bit. And then not being a particularly huge fan of him in general, I kind of just like ordered a takeaway, sat down. I was like, okay, two and a half hour movie about zombies. Come at me. And I actually really enjoyed mm -hmm. it. Um it I is... love how in tune we are because I ordered a takeaway as well <laughs> just to get through this. It's a, it's <laughs> a, I, what here here is why we know it's a number one Netflix film because it is it is such a just takeaway turn your brain off film and you know it's that's what it is, but I think maybe because I th I knew everyone kind of hated it going in that I was like more lenient with it. Um, the the plot is a zombie of mysterious origin has broken out of Area 55? No, 51. Mm. 51. That's the one. And <laughs> I guess he, Area he, he doesn't get He doesn't get broken out of, basically, like, these drunk couple drives into a heavily... This is, this, like, the disbelief happens within the first 10 minutes when oh, one yeah. car turns over a whole, like, voyage carrier. This heavily armoured thing. <laughs> and then suddenly there's a zombie on the loose that takes... And why, why did they crash, Vicky? Go on, you've opened this door. Oh, they were just having a good old new couple time. A non-plutonic time in a car. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, they... Okay. There's a car crash while they're transporting something from Area 51. Turns out to be a zombie. Breaks out into Las Vegas. Wreaks havoc in a classic Zack Snyder opening credit sequence. We see the fall of Las Vegas. It's been cordoned off. We see that Zack Snyder has directed his own photography, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, at length. Uh, and then a mysterious casino owner asks... A former resident of Las Vegas who was able to escape uh, Batista, Dave Batista, mm. to establish a crack team to go back in, rescue $200 million from a safe at the bottom of one of his casino hotels, and then they have to leave. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's uh, one of those kind of high concept immediately. He's like, that sounds like a great idea. I wonder what they'll do with it. And they kind of do something with it. And it's mostly mm. fun to watch. Yeah, um, I had a great, um, I had a great time. Obviously, I think we've pointed out right now, this runtime is fucking ridiculous for a film mm. in twenty twenty one. I can't yeah. believe, 
I physically had to sit my body down for this amount and watch it. However, I don't know how he's done it because me and Zack Snyder, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan, I wouldn't say, but he has some way, he has found a way to make like tolerable, tolerable zombie films for me personally because I struggle with them. They're my worst fear. I honestly, <laughs> me and zombies don't get along and I'm good with horror, but yeah. this and his 2004 Dawn of the Dead remake, honestly, just really enjoyable. Sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, this, I think the casting is... They it was it was almost too Suicide Squaddy with the introductions, but they mm. toned it down just a little enough so that I wasn't mm. like Jesus Christ, just get on with it, you know. Yeah. Um, I think, I think there was one point. I think it's uh basically the character Chambers. She's the girl with the red bandana on the head. Mm. It's when they give her enough time for me to to develop a likeness for her. She becomes this badass by stabbing so many zombies in the head in a very in a scene that made me like catch my breath. Yeah. And then they instantly killed her off, and I was like, okay, maybe I I see the excuse for the runtime now because I felt something there, and yeah. that was done very well. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 No, every time a character got knocked off, I genuinely had some kind of emotion. I was like, mm-hmm. oh no, I enjoyed that character. Um, most notably. Uh, Dietrich, the safecracker, the German safecracker. Oh, beautiful was quite boy. I loved he was, him. He was a pretty beautiful boy. And, and he, had he had a lovely bromance. The bromance yeah. is a good thing to have. Yeah. With uh, Ivanhoe? Veer? I can't remember the character's name. Something like so that. His, the character name is Vanderhoe. Vanderhoe, that's it. Yeah, Amari Hardwick. I haven't seen him since uh, Sorry to Bother You, but it's nice to see him pop up in this. No, he was good. Yeah, he was quality. Yeah, he's That's good. Like, everyone's everyone's well cast. Uh, I wasn't mm-hmm. annoyed by anyone's performances. Um, the characterization was very basic, but engaging enough. Yeah, exactly. So this is uh, the most likable I've ever found Batista. I have I have beef with Batista. He once quoted. Um, I'll never be in a Fast and Furious film because I like to make good movies. I've hated him ever since that line has been said. Uh, <sighs> but. You know, he started talking about artisan grilled cheese sandwiches and food trucks, and he somehow <laughs> has won me over. It's the most I know how. I've ever. I know how I've ever found. <laughs> he talked about food. No, it's the most like I've ever found him. Um, doing the complete opposite, the most. Uh, I, I fucking hate this about this film in particular, but just films in general. I hate that. The most annoying character always has the most potential for survival, and that is mm. his daughter Kate. Yes, I think without her, the movie could have went up an entire star. But like, I yeah. literally, I don't understand her plotline. I don't understand why she needed to be there. Maybe the hate made everything for her made everything just shine a bit brighter. Maybe that I, was it. I have a theory, and it made me excuse the Kate character. Because I okay. have a suspicion, especially we'll get into well, we'll say spoilers from here on out. Um, mm. So basically, she turns out to be the pretty, essentially the only one who makes it out alive, and Batista has kind of an estranged relationship with her. And at the end, she's he's kind of like saying like a heartfelt goodbye, like this was all kind of it was all kind of worth it to get you out. I have a feeling that may or may not parallel uh, what happened with Zack Snyder's own daughter, kind of like what he would like to say, how he how he's kind of processing that kind of trauma. So I was kind of like, by the end, I was like, okay, I think this is absolutely fine. 
given the context, and it's actually quite sweet. And I didn't find her grading. A lot of her mo- her motivations are fine, but a lot of her decisions are just fucking dumb. And it's just like, mm-hmm. don't do this, don't do that. This doesn't make any sense. This completely spoils the tension and the stakes and all this, especially in the second half. But at the end, I was kind of like, no, nah, this is fine for the for the point he's trying to make. I think this is fine. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, there's I the more I think about it, the more I'm like, okay, there were a lot of things set up that aren't explained. There's robot the time, zombies. Robot zombies and the yeah. time the time loop theory. I was going to ask you about that. How Those, do you feel yeah. about that in general? Uh, I just, it's so pretentious though. Cause like, obviously, like, I, like I say, I, I find Zack Snyder very pretentious anyway. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that is like, it's so adolescent where it's just like, I want to have this straightforward narrative, but I'm going to have one scene. I'm going to have one scene where I propose that it might be a time loop. Or I'm going to have two scenes where there might be like robot zombies. And I looked up like to see what if there's, if Zack Snyder said anything about this. And basically what he said is like there might be robot zombies, they might not be. There might be a time loop, there might not be. Well, maybe make a movie with a theme and have the the, the elements of the plot <laughs> introduced to match that theme and then make the movie. But it didn't. There was only um, what. Uh, no, no, go on, go on. No, I'm just. It didn't like take me completely out of the film, and it was like it definitely yeah. adds a little bit. But it's like just if you're gonna do something with it, then do something. Because I know he wants to do like an extended bloody universe thing with this now. I literally can see that happening so clearly in my mind. Like I can just see it like as a as a clear possibility that that might happen. Yeah. And talking about like the satisfaction of feeling like you know like a well thought out plot line to like ideas there was only one point i actually felt the satisfaction and that was when the fucking safe opened i was like oh shit, okay yeah. we got that far you know yeah. we, that that was like the most obvious point we did it we we got there and yeah. everything goes to shit obviously like that was going to happen but i did feel some satisfaction from watching this um yeah but i really wish they had like I know if he wants to make a universe with it he should have built it more in this film because the mm. time loop could be a clever thing sure pretentious but clever but you know like he had the characters to pull it off and definitely like going back to them like you like they are so like clear in their personalities and mm. maybe I'm just I think I'm actually fangirling a little bit but I really enjoyed uh, if we move out Batista, I have a big crush on Peters, you know, the helicopter pilot. She was awesome. Oh, Tig, Tig, who is completely reintroduced in the film mm. via CGI green screen because it was Chris Delia, Delia, whatever, however you say his name. Do you know this? No. Chris Delia had uh, some naughty allegations made against him. So all of Tig Nataro's stuff was shot in front of a green screen and she superimposed on top of him no. so you may notice no. that she has she has very little interaction with the other actors it's kind of like something will happen and then it's like a cutaway to her standing by herself being like oh no you didn't like it's just like completely her alone uh i do know about um christian i do know about christian's allegations i just can't yeah. believe that he was actually cast i can't believe that was a thing yeah <laughs> oh man she does That's... such a better job i, I think oh she's yeah great I mean, obviously, I don't know what Chris Delia would have brought to the role, but she is, like, Tignatoro is the best part of the film, hands down. Mm-hmm. Just her yeah, kind of, no. like, laissez-faire, like, fuck it, why not? Beautiful like, little quips. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, actually, Garrett Dillahunt, before he killed my main <laughs> yeah. girl, or, yeah. like, purposely manipulated my main girl's chambers, I'm talking about. 
Uh, yeah. He, no, unexpected likability factor from him. You know, he plays some serious roles in some serious films. I can't ever, I don't ever have the time of day for him. But, you know, him in a fighting a zombie tiger, kind of entertaining. Fighting. I love yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> getting clawed to death. How yeah. did you feel about the, the, the gore in this? How did you, did you enjoy? Uh, it was like, there was lots, uh, it was a lot of CGI stuff, but there was a lot of real, real stuff as well. And I thought it was inventive and creative. Um, mm. that like, uh, obviously a lot of people have said that like, oh, it's rip off of this, it's rip off of that. Predominantly aliens. People seem to say that's a rip off of aliens a lot, which is yeah. like, I, like a perfectly fair, but it's like so many films are rip offs of aliens. Like aliens, one of those like tentpole films where it's just like such a great idea that it will get knocked off. And it's like, I, I'm, I'm fine with watching it. a knockoff of aliens. <laughs> like it's like aliens meets, um, oceans 11. And then shove in, exactly, you know, yeah. a little bit of Return of the Dead in there, and then you basically have yeah Return of the Living Dead, and then you have this film. But yeah. like, those are the temples for this, and maybe Zack Snyder's. I mean, he has a, he has a thing for Dawn of the Dead, so he probably just sure, like yeah. created this in his mind for the past like it's been mulling for the past ten years, and I think he probably needed a passion project after the whole you know Snyder cut debate. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's riding that that wave pretty high. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But uh, like, I think, like I say, there's, I think, there's lots of things you can complain about with it. There's like, the whole film is blurry for one thing. Did that? How'd you find oh, yeah. that? Um, I was watching this on a, not, like, kind of minimized computer screen. So honestly, it didn't, it didn't affect the quality at all. <laughs> that doesn't sound like you, Vicky. Just... I know. <laughs> I literally, uh, it got to the point after the first hour and a half where I just had other things to do. <laughs> so like, I was just like, kind of, kind of writing my notes in the yeah. background, and then I was like, oh, oh my god, what's happening? Yeah. I never do this. I'm such a snob about how people watch films. But if you if you force me past the two hour mark, I'm not gonna give you the time of day that you need unless yeah. it's like. Some fucking arty thing from <laughs> that I need for like you know street cred as a cinephile. Sure, but a I don't Pavlikowski need this. film. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. So thumbs up from you for I a two and a half hour. For a two and a half hour, I had a good time. I had a are good you, time. Are you, are you up for a? I think they've proposed an animated TV series prequel and a Dieter the Safecracker live action film prequel which may or may not go more into the time loop stuff uh, so doing an animated version you're basically just shoving the train to busan you know arc in my face because they did a a completely animated version of that afterwards as well it's a good it's a good route to take with zombies i'm not it's not the most hated idea but at the same time no. it's been done before so please don't bore me and like soul station that train to busan yeah. prequel yeah. was I found that unwatchable. <laughs> it was very, it was like, you know, it's been done. It was a good idea. I mm. didn't find it unwatchable, but it's also not something that's in the top animated movies of my life, you know? True. Um, I just, I don't know why you need to expand. I mean, D is a fun character, but you can love him and let him go. I don't know how I feel about a whole thing. If, if they go into like the time loop thing more and like, maybe he's like the reason there's some kind mm. of time loop going on and like the nuclear bombs are reset. And like, if, if if the prequel was like, the first few times they try to rob the safe, that'd be kind of fun mm. and interesting. If you get the cast back, but without without mm. the same cast having the back and forth, 
it might feel a little strained having that one character from one movie carry an entire new movie. Exactly. But I mean, you could... An enti- yeah, an entire new movie. Imagine the runtime. If it's under... <laughs> please, please be mm. under one hour 30, then I can stand it, you know? I mean, we talk about a lot about the runtime. I felt this with uh, the Snyder Cut as well. Like, he strangely does a pretty good job of not making you feel the runtime. Obviously, Snyder Cut is like... You've got 17 characters, all of which people are in, are in some level emotionally engaged with already. But to make a film that's like a huge cast of original characters and make the time goes by fairly quickly, I thought, for this one. Interesting. Oh, it Maybe did not go it, for you. it did not. It did not do that. I wouldn't okay. mention it so much as being a pain in the ass because I've definitely watched like long ass films and yeah. not felt it and, and enjoyed them and not like, but this. This is too much for me. Okay. But at the same time, I would rewatch again. Just give me like another two years, you know, yeah. when the sequels are due to come out. I could do yeah. it. <laughs> okay. Cool. So. We didn't do we any feeling... recommend. We didn't do any recommendations this week because we, we did felt not. we'd have we we've gone th- we've we've basically covered ten movies in one episode. So I think that's pretty good. That's true. I think um, that's bang for your buck. I feel like you did a very good job with your with some homework. You did the extra mile. You even watched Jigsaw. I really give you props for that because I've not seen that. Because that's like was it? I had to watch that in a cinema with an ice blast to really enjoy. But you watched that all on your whole ordeal. Oh no, I dug it. I mean, nine yeah. a.m. on a sunny day is is just quite a pleasant thing with the window open and just like. Eh, that, that sounds like my hell. That sounds like hell oh, to golly. me. Okay. <laughs> no, absolutely. Not. I need to be in a dark room with like well, a, like aircon on. <laughs> what's an even longer franchise we can do for you next week then? I don't know. Go. If you're gonna say the Conjuring, ones, I mean, I've watched I, them all, I, mate. I, was, I love I was them say, all. <laughs> I guarantee Conjuring and Fast and Furious. I will not sit through. It's <laughs> like in a week's time to watch them all. But speaking of Conjuring. Hmm. What are we it's doing a, next the, week, Vicky? Okay, we are doing Conjuring 3, which was released in the UK on, I think, Thursday. So on the 27th, it was yes. released. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I'm a big fan of the Conjuring universe. I'm very excited to how they're going to conclude it. Especially <laughs> conclude so, it. it. <laughs> I say that with a prolonged pause due to the fact that Conjuring 2 came out literally like four to five years ago. Um, I don't remember the exact year. And yeah. since then, there's been the Curse of La Lorna, there's been yeah. Val- Val- Valkyric, there's been, you know, the Annabelle, the Annabelle conclusion. What is, what is Valkyric? The Nun. Oh, the Nun, okay. <laughs> Valak. Valak. I, I've seen it. it, I could not tell you the name of the Nun. <laughs> yeah, there we go. The Nun, You basically, they've concluded the universes within the universes that actually conclude the Conjuring. So no. I am, I'm excited for this film. I'm just yep. a diehard fan for this. I will just sit on this rock alone. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. How about you? I, I'm looking forward. Like, James, oh, James Wan. That's weird. Two two episodes in a row we'll be kind of doing James Wan content. His film, mm. his films are, oh wait, no, James Wan's not directing this one, oh, is he? No, oh shit, is he not? He's doing something, oh, James Wan's doing Insidious like five or something, isn't he? Insidious only has, oh, Insidious does, it already has a, no, it is Insidious five, you're right. He's doing five or six, yeah. Oh, man. I don't know you who's doing You just broke my though. little heart. I'm <laughs> I was sorry, no. Saying... 
I was about to say, there's only like three films in the Insidious movies, and then I remember watching like the last, the last one. I was like, this is Monster Inc. with like red doors. Which was <laughs> like, I think that was directed by Leigh Whannell as well. That was his directorial debut. Oh my god! So this is directed by Michael Caves, who did The Curse of La Lorna. So oh no! <laughs> so yeah, Conjuring Three. How interesting. All my hopes have just gone out the fucking window. Well, we'll, we'll still watch it. <laughs> we'll, see. We'll, still watch. we'll see if this director can go from strength to strength. <laughs> right. So we have Conjuring 3 and what was the other one we were going to cover? Uh, we'll, I, we'll, we'll do uh, Quiet Place 2, I guess. Oh, this out. gives me... And this actually gives me an excuse to watch the first Quiet Place, which I haven't seen. Okay. I have not seen. I won't say anything about it. Um, but I'm expecting to complain a lot, but nice. maybe, maybe the second one can absolve the father for its sins. Um, Cruella's elsewhere. Why don't you want to do Cruella? Oh God, I bloody hate Disney live actions. Sure. There's just nothing in them for me. Sure. Um, I also, there's lots to complain about though. I've just fell out with Disney, you know, uh, in general, I don't think I've watched like an, I haven't watched Tangled. I haven't seen an animated film by them in so bloody long. Sure. And um, actually, we can give Corral a go. We'll see what they do. I actually really enjoyed Beauty and the Beast and Cinderella. I just haven't. The whole Mulan debate had me on eggshells with how much I could bring up how disgusted I was by the whole I, thing. I mean, there's there's <laughs> nothing not disgusting about the Mulan remake. But I thought you loved uh, you love Emma Stone, don't you? Yeah, no, I have a bit. I have a lot of time for Emma Stone. Sure. I, I don't. I don't know how much I have time for comparing her next to you know Glenn Bloody Close, but we'll see. Oh, <laughs> Apparently, yeah, <that's> true. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Glenn, that Glenn Close keeps doing that booty dance. Dang, dang oh, girl. Man. <clears throat> right, love it. That was okay. an Oscars reference for anyone who <laughs> watched the Oscars, which is ninety nine percent of people. Very sorry about that. Um, all together, we have The Conjuring 3, we have Quiet Place 2, and we have Cruella, all to watch by... We're going to say next week, going to say the week after. Let's say next Friday. Next Friday, yeah. Saturday. Let's do next Friday, Saturday. I'm up for it. I'm okay. up for it, yeah. This has been very pleasant, Lorcan. Yes. Thank you um, very much. A stroll down memory lane, and then zombies oh. in Las Vegas. Also very happy to just be back in the cinema, my literal hungover haven. Yeah. Costas Mandalore makes makes the sequels. He's really fun to watch. I've never heard of him. He's just like in anything else. He's like a big B movie actor. He's like starred in so much like straight to video junk. But he looks like Frankenstein. And he's just like the ultimate guy you wouldn't want to meet down a fucking corridor. Love that. Yeah. Love that.